Hi everyone, my name is Ira Glass and this is NPR. Um, today we are of course asking the fundamental question, uh, why is it that kids love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Here with us today we have our Cinnamon Toast Crunch expert, a Mr. Dumb Poopy Head. Uh, uh, Mr. Dumb, can you tell us with your expertise what it is about Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Um, that kids love the delicious taste of? Well, first of all, there's no need to be so formal on the air. This is, after all, a, a, not a, fr a frank discussion, actually. Not not true intelligence here. So, uh, Mr. Poopy is my father. You can call me uh, Stinky Duke Wellington. But I think that the reason children enjoy the taste of Cinnamon Crust Tunch so much is because they are denied such overly indulgent cereals from their parents, so it becomes a, a forbidden fruit of sorts. I believe that is part of the reason children enjoy Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I yield my time. All right, and that's the podcast, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, and we'll be back next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but instead we talk about Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Bye! 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 I love the empty bowl. It's a great podcast to fall asleep to. What? Really? Huh. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> It's incredible. They play it like to the sound of water flowing. It's just like, so um, there's a new Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It actually comes with marshmallows. And I don't know how I feel about them. Oh, there's marshmallows? Really? That's uh, how they add. You know, uh, the cinnamon gets lost a little bit in the marshmallows. Really? How does it affect like the, the milk taste? And you don't notice it. You don't notice it. It's just that for like an hour and a half. That's really funny. Wonderful, sleepy little show. Not our show. Amber, what is our show? That's a great question, Devin. Um, I'm happy to answer it for you. Our show is called Original Podcast Do Not Steal, which is a weekly show in which every week, Devin and I take one franchise um, of our choice, um, and we make an original character in that franchise, and then uh, you go, surely they're going to come up, they're going to like run out of franchises at some point, but we never do. Um, and this week, we are going to be talking about uh, a very timely franchise that everyone has extremely recent experiences of, um, Portal. Um, and also, to some extent, Half-Life, uh, which is just going to kind of organically be naturally part of it. But I'm definitely trying to focus on Portal. I know that this is going to be a really Amber Autumn talky episode. Uh, do you want to go a little bit before I go? Uh, if we're talking about Half-Life, there's so much to say about video game presentation, the history of shooters, the history of storytelling in video games, just from, like, a world that feels more alive and a layout that is meaningful, like a place people could actually exist in, and how... Is it CD Projekt Red? I don't think that's the pe that's the people who do Orange Box and stuff like that, but how they no, are, it's like... it's just Valve. How Valve. Valve are, like, the tech bros of gaming that's stupid but they're the people who show up and go what can software do let's push it to the ends and there's just so much to say about half-life but it's not a half-life episode it's a portal episode and i don't play portal because portal is a puzzle game and i'm bad at puzzles yeah have you have you ever played portal no i'm portal adjacent because i'm friends with you i'm friends with reggie uh, Taylor is my ex, Lexi is my girlfriend, and it's one of the two games she's played, but nope, I've never played Portal. I went, it's a puzzle game, I'm bad at puzzles, puzzles make me feel stupid, I'm gonna go play Dark Souls. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, so, uh, Portal, 
Um, I I just replayed it really recently, or I I I watched my roommate replay it, and I replayed the second one pretty recently. The whole thing, like the whole franchise, um, is like generously like it's maybe seven hours long between both games put together. Um, it's not a long experience. Um, so. Uh, for those of us who, for some reason, don't know, but just for the ritual of saying it out loud more than anything else, Portal is a, a unique uh, a puzzle-based... I don't even want to call it a first-person shooter. In some ways, it has the mechanics of a first-person shooter. It is a first-person game, um, but you're not shooting bullets. You are shooting portals, um, and uh, you shoot them onto flat objects, onto surfaces, and there is a blue one and a green one, and you can walk from a blue portal through the orange portal or vice versa and, you know, throw objects. Objects that enter one portal come out of the other portal. Um, and that's, like, the central uh, mechanic that the entire game is based off. This is a game from, like, what, what, when was it? Like, 2004, maybe? I'm going to Google it real quick. All right, well, Amber's Googling, and hopefully I edit this one so I can edit out the sounds of her typing. But here's a fun fact for everyone. Deep cut portal reference. Again, I'm very adjacent to it, but one of the few kids who signed my sophomore year yearbook when I went to Lawrence North was Nicholas last name. And he wrote Nicholas in the very front page and then drew a little blue circle. And then in the very back page, his last name with a little orange circle as a portal reference. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. So the first one came out in 2007 and the second one came out in 2011. Um, so I was genuinely sort of impressed and surprised that they managed to get the technology. I, like, it, like, it's a pretty technically impressive, I assume. I mean, not knowing anything about tech, it seems technically impressive um, to have, like, functioning portals in your three-dimensional moving space. Portal is the reason I have a Steam. Like, literally, I got Steam because my older sister got me a copy of Portal for, like, Christmas in 2007, and I needed to download Steam in order to play it. Um, and now I'm stuck with, like, the horrible login username that I made when I was, like, 12 years old or however old it was when that happened. The, like, story of Portal, the thing that it is, is that you are playing as a woman named Shell, who isn't named in the course of the game, but people know her name because they dug through, like, project files or whatever. And uh, you wake up in this, like, lab... Um, with a, like, robotic voice, like, waking you up and saying, hey, we're welcome to do some testing. And then it leads you through these test chambers, which are just, like, uh, like puzzles that you have to solve in these, like, weirdly sterile laboratory-looking spaces. Um, but as you go through, like, you'd never see any people. It's just this disembodied voice talking and... Um, as you proceed, occasionally you can find these little, like, cracks, these little, like, en side entrances to the back of the facility, um, where, like, there are these ominous messages written by someone else who seems to be living back here, um, who doesn't, like, trust anything that's going on, and the tests seem to be getting more and more dangerous, and this robotic voice that's speaking to you is becoming, like, increasingly sinister, um... And then, like, eventually, like, turns downright hostile, and you grow to understand that this robot voice is, um, has, like, killed all of the employees and now is living only to 
like lead you through these tests over and over until she kills you um and that's and it takes like an hour it's a super short experience the first portal especially if you're playing it once you've already played it for the first time and you like already know what you're doing more or less um uh and it like fucking broke the world apart when it came out right like i like i almost feel ridiculous having explained it in the first place because like it became such a staple like we now have memes like there's memes that are like that webcomic from 2007 shouting like the cake is a lot like everybody knows portal because it defined what it meant to be a geek and gamer for a fucking like a decade and a half now um uh, and the second one only improved on that formula uh it's 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 longer it has a couple of more characters and the story is like slightly more complex and nuanced and has a few more mechanics in it it's great portal and portal 2 hold the fuck up that's my that's my hot take that i'm coming into this episode with they remain really good even by contemporary standards honestly uh like i'm surprised by the critiques i do have like i don't think i would have expected them at the time like okay there's this section in portal 2 where you have found yourself you've been like kicked way down deep into the belly of aperture laboratories the like the like corporation where this is all happening and you get to like hear audio recordings from the early early days when the company was first formed and you get to like hear the like descent of this company from this like high-minded aspirational ideal towards science of uh like we're going to be the best and the brightest and we're going to take only the finest astronauts and engineers as our test subjects and then you see like the decline of aperture science as it loses its funding as the ceo loses his his sense of purpose and the standards get lower and the employees go through a tremendous amount of brain drain and it's like an idea that's really compelling, but it's not a slow burn. It happens over the course of, like, two rooms. Like, you hear the Golden Age section, and then you walk through the next text test chamber, and then the next thing that you're hearing is, oh, now they're getting all of their volunteers off of park benches and offering them 20 bucks to, like, rearrange their organs or whatever for science. Um, this is a recurring theme through the games, is the idea of science as this very non-specific... Um, aspirational, like, oh, we're going to do all of this experimenting for science, and it's not clear what exactly science means or, like, what their specific, like, research goals are other than science, and it's kind of funny and a joke and kind of scary and sinister. That's actually a really important tone through the whole game. It's, like, the first one is almost, like, it's a comedy. Like, they're both comedies. The characters are funny. The second game, one of the major characters is Stephen Merchant in full comedy mode. That's one of the only two like major speaking roles in the game. Um, it's wall-to-wall -wall jokes, but it's also like something is seriously fucking wrong, and they love to like imply and sometimes show you the scale at which things are fucked. Like this is a world in which you're living in a laboratory. Um, that spans an unknown amount of space that does human testing, which is like basically an elaborate torture sequence on an unknown number of like test subjects who are presumably there unwillingly. We understand that Shell is here, your player character is there in the first place because something went wrong on Bring Your Daughter to Work Day. The, like the company coerced her dad 
or convinced him to bring his daughter to work and then presumably through some mechanism like kidnapped all of these daughters and forced them to become test subjects and occasionally we get glimpses that this like that this laboratory system that this company this like underground complex is unfathomably huge and we get like glances at the like terrifying eldritch scale of the whole thing i read this article recently about this uh revision to portal this like re-release that happened recently involving like new advanced ray tracing or something like that i don't know exactly what the technical specifications of the upgrade were but there's this upgrade to the graphics to make it feel more real um uh, it, like, gets rid of some of the cartoony look of the original, and um, it makes it, like, the lights reflect more accurately or something like that. And, like, according to the article, the effect is, like, super unsettling. Like, it doesn't feel comedy haha anymore. Instead, like, the lab chambers suddenly feel super claustrophobic, and you get a sense of, like, oh, like, this is a horror game. Um, and, like, that was always an element from the original, but they're laughing about it at the same time, which is like a really distinct tone that captured an enormous number of people, like a generation of gamers, um, because it's really fucking good. Um, and all of this uh, happens in the same universe uh, as Half-Life, which is the thing that Devin is going to be able to talk a little bit more about. I pitched this as a Portal episode because I um, have never played any Half-Life. I mean, I played a little bit of Half-Life 2, but I never even finished Half-Life 2. Um, but... Uh, it's this series called Half-Life, which is also a thing that everybody listening to already knows about, but Half-Life, just for my own edification, is um, a first-person shooter um, about this guy named Gordon Freeman who has to run around and solve problems in a dystopia that has been um, set on in response to an alien invasion of a couple of different alien types. Um, the apocalypse happens in the Half-Life games, and Portal is nominally set in the same universe as the Half-Life games, although there's, like, no event cross. I'm not even sure how we canonically know that the two things take place in this. I mean, I guess they reference each other's corporations. Aperture Science references Black Mesa, which is the, the corporation in the more successful corporation from Half-Life, and they're both, like, evil corporations vying for space but like there's a couple of references in portal 2 to like from gladys the evil computer robot being like trust me you don't actually want to go outside you don't even want to know what's happening outside um and so i obviously have less expertise with half-life and i'm pushing for this to be more portal centric but it is worth noting that yeah this is also a world in which at a non-specific point in the timeline we don't know when the two games are related to each other chronologically or at least i don't know um uh, uh, an alien invasion slash like dystopian government crackdown a general ap an apocalypse has occurred um so that was me talking about portal for like 10 minutes consecutively uh, I definitely would have more things to say probably about like, um, there's like this formula that's really interesting in the second, I'm still going, there's like this formula that's really interesting in the second game to me where there's basically three sections of the game. You have the first section where you wake up and Gladys, who by the way, 
So hot. Everyone can agree that Gladys is so hot. I don't know if people knew that back in the day. I don't know if that was a thing that people were saying. I was too young. I was a kid at the time. I wouldn't have been exposed to people saying Gladys is so hot in 2007. And I don't know how much it's like a gay women because I know that it's like a meme that it's gay women amongst gay women. But I think possibly it's also like straight men. Um, and that it's just one of those things that we say is a meme amongst gay women. But in fact, it's just that like Gladys is hot. Um, but like, I mean, come on, she's like designed her like visual design is supposed to be modeled after like a woman who is tied up. Um, come on. And also she's so evil and she hates you so much. And her voice is so smooth and she could kill you in a heartbeat. And she really wants to kill you. Um, this is the first but, I've heard uh, of this meme. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, Gladys is hot. Uh, I mean that unironically. She is. I want to fuck the robot from Portal. Right. The one who wants to kill you with a deadly neurotoxin. Um, so, uh, uh, the, so you have the first section, which is where like you wake up and um, you try to escape a little bit, but not before waking Gladys back up. And uh, and she like takes you through some test chambers, and it's kind of doing like. I almost like the, the the example that I go to for this is The Last of Us, but it actually almost works quite well with Portal. Is that you have in The Last of Us, you have a combat section and then a story section, and then a combat section and a story section, and then um, like as Aaron Signal said in their episode on The Last of Us, is that uh, it's the perfect version of a flawed formula where like those two sections are oil and water, and the combat doesn't like really meaningfully influence the story and the story doesn't really meaningfully influence the combat. And it's sort of the same thing with portal two, where you have these test chambers and then Gladys will say some story stuff at you between the chambers and then she'll shut up while you do a chamber. And then uh, in between chambers, she'll say some story stuff at you. Um, and that continues through the whole game. Cause like you, you have that section and then there's this big status quo change um, where Gladys gets ripped out of her machine body and gets flung into a potato battery and you get flown way down into the depths of Aperture Science and you have to, like, travel up. Uh, you have to, like, try to make your way back up the caves. Um, and in that section, you do a chamber and then cave the recording of Cave Johnson um, narrates some plot at you. And then you do a test chamber and then Cave Johnson narrates some plotting. And that continues through the third major phase of the game as well. The whole thing is set up in that function um uh i'm good okay i'm gonna i'm gonna let you talk a little bit now uh, say what what do you think is interesting about portal where could we make a character out of what hard disagree that the combat doesn't interact with the story of last of us but different episode okay sure yeah we'll get to that episode i have so much about the last of us who are the other people who like it's you and GLaDOS, but who else? Yeah. So, um, characters who are in the portal universe. Um, so there's shell. We know very little about shell. She is, um, either mute or simply refuses to speak to Gladys. We don't really know which, um, but probably she's mute. Um, and also likely at the beginning of portal two, she has suffered severe brain damage. Um, there is Gladys who is the evil AI, um, Portal 2 is a breakup story between the two of them, um, where Gladys decides to kick you out at the end. Gladys is just absolutely fucking full of hate. She is, um, 
we get to find a little bit of backstory for her in Portal 2 about where she comes from, like, the human person her AI is built off of. Um, it's honestly pretty shallow as far as backstory stuff goes, but it is there. Um, there's Wheatley. So there's this object called a personality core in the in the science of, of Aperture Science, um, which is they have a number of, like, like large robots like Gladys, a big machine, which is like a huge artificial intelligence. And um, those machines have um, can have personality cores added onto them, which are like little module intelligences, which are designed with some uh, function in mind. Um, a lot of these are throwaway jokes. The, the end boss of Portal 1 is you knocking personality cores off of her uh so you might have a personality core in that that like is just reciting off random nonsensical facts or a personality core that's all about baking there's a personality core that's all about going on adventures and talking about how much it wants to go on adventures there's a running joke where, there, where there's one personality core that just wants to go to space all it says all of its lines are just space gotta go to space gotta go to space gotta see what's out there space 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 um just rambling nonsense but wheatley is a personality core with a little bit more depth to him he is one of the main characters of portal 2 um and uh, his main thing is that he's fucking dumb. He's a personality core that's, like, basically designed to make poor decisions. But he is also, for, like, at least the first chunk of the game, the only person who you can find who seems like they want to help you. Um, there is Cave Johnson, who is the CEO and founder of Aperture Science, played by J.K. Simmons, um, gives the famous lemon speech. Everybody loves the lemon speech. Um, honestly, not one of the better parts of the game upon the replay. It just got a lot of meme value. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the game that holds up and a lot of the memes hold up. Uh, Cake is a lie, still totally functions for the thing it wants to do. And um, still alive is an absolute fucking incredible genius stroke. 100% deserves the meme status. Lemon's thing, not as much, but that's fine. Cave Johnson is... Um, absolutely like the, the guy who wants to do science, but doesn't have a clear idea of what exactly science is full of hubris, more or less gets himself killed in the pursuit of the science that he's not even strictly aware of what exactly it is he's trying to do. And then there are like a handful of other, uh, like machines throughout the game. There are a couple of, uh, like friendly helper test droids for the for the co-op campaign in portal 2 um who don't have much by way of personality and also don't speak but you know are running around the turrets absolutely like it's kind of hard to characterize the turrets as characters exactly they don't have names they're just like a kind of generic npc they're turrets that shoot at you but they're so fucking cute um and they their voices are all like delightful and charming and they want to shoot at you um but they all say it with these like syrupy cute voices they all want to say like target lost are you still there and then you like you'll like shoot you'll like toss them over and break them down and shoot them into the lava and they'll go ah and i don't blame you and just like things like that um delightful absolutely delightful so i think there's a couple of directions that we could go 
with characters. I think that we could create, um, oh, there's, uh, uh, is his name Ratman? The guy who lives in the walls and occasionally leaves you like notes in Portal 1. Um, presumably a former Aperture Science employee who has survived. We don't ever see his face, but we feel his presence and they did release a prequel comic about him in the in the years in between portals one and two so yeah the directions we could go we could come up with some kind of like an ai figure um that like lives in aperture science or like works for aperture science some kind of an ai that the company built for some purpose um we could come up with an employee of aperture science either during the golden years or during the fall um no, I think those are actually the only two main ideas that I have for how we would build a character. Okay. You should play Portal. You should play Portal. I'm not good at puzzles. You don't have to beat Portal. I just think you should try it. I might. I'm ready. Lay it on me. So, the only science I know they successfully made is the Portal gun. What if yeah. we make someone else in the west coast branch who thinks that portal gun is stupid and so their technology is gonna be awesome like fucking actually dope but it's not it's shitty and dumb but screw you portal gun i made a uh, the gravitron and it lets me hover like one foot so that's fun. There is a gravity gun in Half-Life, right? Like, that's one of the famous weapons in the game is that it fucks around with gravity. I don't... Is the gravity gun canonically made by Half-Mesa? Do we know who makes the gravity gun? I wouldn't remember off the top of my head. But Google will remember. All right, follow-up. I don't need the gun to do anything with gravity. I was just striking for something stupid. So what if it's a gun that does something unintuitive to gameplay? What if it's a gun that makes the space you're exploring smaller because you want a platform and all the stuff, and now you have a gun, a sh <laughs> you have a shitty camera gun, it just makes the camera for the game shitty. <laughs> so this is the, um, like, a gun that does the super liminal mechanic. Yeah, just, uh, someone was like, fuck you, portal, I'm gonna make a... And then he made a gun that just, like, is not intuitive. It's not fun to use. But he, he believes it. He believes in the science that let him make this shitty gun. I like the idea that, like, you said this sort of offhandedly, but I like the idea that it's coming from an Aperture Science East Coast division. Um, because we only see the one compound in Aperture Science. And there's sort of this, like... Like, you don't think about it. You just go, yeah, like, yeah, this is Aperture Science. This is the compound of Aperture Science. And, like, presumably this is where it began, right? Like, that's why we have all of Cave Johnson's original offices down there. But it's a mega corporation. It has this entire mine going God knows how far down below the surface used for this facility. It makes total sense that they would have expanded into other facilities outside of this specific location, um, and I, I, I like, so I like the idea that you have like the head manager at Aperture East Coast Division or the, the, the guy running the place. Yeah. And, and like directly trying to compete with Cave Johnson 
but like obviously like cave johnson here's the thing is not necessarily a very good scientist we are not given to understand that cave johnson is skilled at the thing that he does we are given to understand that cave johnson um got really lucky he found this device which he found this technology which allowed him to create portals on like specifically substances dusted with moon rocks for the record portals have an extremely limited application um uh you can only use them on surfaces dusted with moon dust and that as it turns out is a substance that is uh, extremely fucking poisonous so you sort of can't use it outside of the very limited application of the aperture science laboratory um and they had a hard time applying the science so uh uh none of that actually matters sorry um I like the idea of somebody who's, like, desperately trying to recreate the thing that Cave Johnson did um, by pure luck. And who maybe even is smarter than Cave Johnson, but not as lucky and possibly not as evil. I wonder if maybe it would be fun to have on Aperture East Coast someone who, like wants to really commit not just to Cave Johnson's ideals and the value of science, but wants to commit to the idea that science could be used to benefit people's lives and not just for its own sake, but then that person getting undermined by the processes of Aperture Science itself. Like, they build Aperture East Coast to be the best it can be, and then, like, the robots... Um, or maybe even the workers, or maybe Cave Johnson's influence, something undermines those ideals, and our character has to cut those ideals short and um, gradually undermine them until they don't recognize the, the branch of Aperture Science they tried to build, until that Aperture Science becomes just like the other Aperture Science. The, it, it, it earns its name. Ah, yes. The Bill Gates to our Steve Jobs. The Bill Gates to our Steve Jobs, truly. And I also really like the idea that it's the gravity gun. Or that this that this branch developed the gravity gun. We don't get a confirmation that, ha that Black Mesa does that as far as I can see. Um, I can't find any evidence that the zero-point energy field manipulator is a Black Mesa piece of technology specifically. Just that it's found in Black Mesa labs. Um... I, I like the idea that we at least plant a reference to this branch of Aperture Science inventing the gravity gun. I was going to agree with you sooner, but I yawned. Yeah, sure, we can, uh, we could have made the gravity gun. Take that, everyone. It's Fanon. This whole show is Fanon. That's all it is. Yep, take that, everyone. Fanon. Fanon the podcast. Fanon the, the flames of you giving me money with our quality content. It's good every week and on time every week. If it's ever not on time for the record, it's always my fault. Devin gets that shit up online on time. I don't. It's always my fault when it's late. Eh, there was the final Star Wars one was late and that was all my, that was all my fault. It's okay. We have a scientist who wants to do things uh, and gets undermined by just the company culture at large. What all else do you need to know to have a sufficiently 
portal character, because it sounds to me like Cave Johnson and GLaDOS get a lot, and most of the other ones are just kind of fun personalities or ideas, and we don't have to get intensely in-depthful with it. Am, am I wrong on that? No, you're pretty right. Like, a lot of what make GLaDOS and... I mean, all three of the major characters, Gladys, Wheatley, and Cave Johnson, compelling, um, is not actually necessarily a, like, depth of psychology. Um, it's a combination of some fucking stellar, unbelievable performances and really, really sharp, funny writing. Um, well, then we have to cast them. That's true. We do have to cast them. They don't necessarily need to be big names, but like, I mean, two, like one of those was an unknown. Like Gladys was coming from, was like not a particularly big name, but like the, like the other two, the two new ones introduced for Portal 2, Wheatley and Cave Johnson, like it's Stephen Merchant and J.K. Simmons. They're pretty big names. Who's Stephen um, Merchant? Uh, Stephen Merchant is a British uh, actor, comedy guy, um... Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in, I don't know, Jojo Rabbit. He was in, um... He was Caliban and Logan. Uh, he was, oh, uh, Fury oh, and Staker okay. and Hot Fuzz. Piss Taker and Hot Fuzz. Oh, okay. No, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah, 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 okay. And I'm trying to think of, like, names in video game, and the first one that come to mind is Ashley Birch. She's the... Yeah. Voice actress for... Ginger from Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't remember much about Horizon yeah, Zero Birch Dawn. Yeah, Ashley Birch is in stuff. I know her. I think I think that Ashley Birch is a pretty good cast for our for our lead scientist. That makes sense to me. She's good. She's good at She's what good. she does. She really is. So, yeah, I guess I would want to figure out some of the main things. My, my main things I would want to figure out, I would want to figure out, one is what kind of jokes do we tell with this character? Um, with Gladys, the joke that you tell is um, Gladys finds creative ways to torment you and call you stupid while being, like, polite and pleasant about it. Um, with Wheatley, the joke is, like, Wheatley is fucking dumb and doesn't understand the things that's happening to him. And with Cave Johnson, the joke that you do is... Um, Cave Johnson, uh, I, what is the joke? Like, Cave Johnson is less funny than the others, almost, because so much of his story is, like, the tragedy of it. Um, I guess with Cave Johnson, the joke is that he says something way more aspirational than the circumstances suggest. So, uh, one, I would want to figure out what what kind of joke do we tell with our Ashley, Ashley Birch character? What does the median interaction with that character sound like? Two, um, in what way is this character appearing to us? Like, does this character... Like, is this character somehow still around to talk to the player character? Is this character recording things on um, a recording device in some way? Um, and then three... In what way does control of this character get wrested away from her? How do we see that happen? Okay. 
have an idea for the joke, and I'm going to make what some would think is a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure reference. But it's not. It's a Super Best Friends reference. So Pat had a stand called Crazy Talk. And what it was, was Pat would say something, and then immediately would be proven wrong by the footage you're seeing. So what if, her losing control, she'll be like, Hear it! East Coast Branch Davidian, we recycle everything! And then you see just like, trash, knocked over, not in a recycling bin at all. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea that, um, just incredibly starry-eyed like clearly not aware of what's happening until it's way past too late she'll be like she'll be like all of our fire safety protocols have been updated uh to be the best on the coast um and then somebody will scream and uh like like there'll be a fire sound uh, and then the sound of people scrambling to put out the fire um and she'll be like wow crazy fluke right what a what a crazy random thing to happen anyway. Here at East Coast Science Emporium, we only have the cleanest needles. And then everyone just sharing dirty ass HIV needles. Mm-hmm. The Needles Emporium? <laughs> yeah, the Needles Emporium. The Needles Emporium? Is that where you go for your needles, Devin? Is the Needles Emporium? Where do you yeah, where do you get your needles when you need a good shot of H? <laughs> I, I'm so cool, and I go to so many parties that I don't even know what H is. Well, I don't even know what that would refer to. Just heroin. Oh, okay. That make no. That makes sense. That 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 makes sense. I guess you don't go to parties when you want to shoot up. You're 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 not a social heroin addict. You're. A, <laughs> Just sit in my bath, light up a few candles, play some Kenny G, and shoot up some good H. Does she ever become aware that things in her laboratory have gotten totally fucked beyond recognition? That's what the final song is, and it's sad. Okay. So, like, for the course of the entire game, for, like, the whole runtime of, you know, Portal 1.5 or whatever it is that we're making... Um, there's never a re- sense of recognition from her that things are collapsing around her until the f- end credit song. Blissful ignorance until the last. And th- from from thence is the comedy, and then in the end credits, from thence is the heartbreak. Yes. I love that. What exactly has happened in this in East Coast Aperture? is my question. It seems like it's really, like, okay, my question for you is, did it get overtaken by the AI? Like, did the robots in some way take it over? Or was it overtaken by, like, humans? Like, the staffing Hmm. ended up not moving in the way that she wanted it to move. My immediate thought, and tell me how you feel about it, is that 
she was the best and brightest, but because it's the East Division, got like the second draft people, and they're kind of lazy. So what if we program these robots to do it, but we're going to be lazy about it? Ah, did we accidentally program an upper, a robot uprising? I think we did, Steve. I think we did. Great. I'm here for it. Follow up, though, the way in which they accidentally program in a robot uprising is that they program in, like, the values of the company without, like, taking time to, like, check and make sure that those were all internally consistent. And then we have, like, like a like a laws of robotics situation. Like, okay, um, everybody knows the three laws of robotics, right? Um, uh, don't harm a human or through an action allow a human to be harmed. Um, and uh, uh, don't uh, harm yourself except where it would violate the form shit wait what's the actual oh man that's great because you're like we all know the laws of robotics that's and so i kept my mouth funny. shut because i knew for a fact i didn't but i was like amber read asimov we talked forever ago about who's your favorite author and that's who she said she'll get it and then you didn't have it right so three the three rules one a robot may not injure a human being or through an action allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Right? It's very simple. It sounds good. All of the books are about the ways in which that set of laws doesn't work. All of like the moments in which there's a weird edge case that comes up via those rules that like causes the robots to behave in a way that you wouldn't expect or to do something that that we don't want to happen um and so uh i i like those stories and i think that's a fun direction to go with this is that they like program in the values of our character our character is like i want to make all of our robots do this and all the engineers are like sure we'll just put it in that way um and they don't check and make sure that programming computers to do those things won't cause the computers to end up doing an uprising that sounds good to me like she's like the robots should make sure that our products um uh help as many people as possible um and then like the robots therefore decide that like every human person working in Aperture needs to go with some, like, like get their brains uploaded into the computers because they think that that's help, right? Um, help people live longer. And then the robots are like, okay, well, then we got to upload everybody's brains into the machines to help them live longer. Um, uh, but, like... I love Soma. Right. It's a little bit. A little bit that. Do we have a name and a vibe for her? Shelly McFreeman. Okay, we cannot call her McFreeman. I got caught because I was going to say Shelly Duvall, and I'm like, that's a real person, I'm pretty sure. So McFriedman is what We're going to go... Uh, that's so close to Gordon Freeman. Um, I'm going to say Hathaway. Shelly Hathaway. Shelly Hathaway, our businesswoman who was all about business. Uh-huh. 
Are we at fun facts? I think we're about fu- uh, we're at fun facts. Did we get a vibe? I feel like we, we did. didn't get a vibe. I feel right. like we skipped vibe. What's the vibe? I think we've been selling her as really chipper, and peppy. I don't know if this counts as fun fact or acronym, but I think an affectation you give is she comes. Shelly comes up with needless acronyms and is very excited about every single one. I and love cannot that. wait to tell you the acronym. That's so good. Everything that you encounter in this game has an acronym attached to it, and you grow to understand that it's just because Shelly was like that. Yeah, Chipper Cheery Science, lass. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was expecting beyond that. <laughs> we found it. We just needed to make sure we got it. So, fun fact of peace? Let's fun fact of peace. I think it is funny that we named her Shelly, and our character's name is Shell. Unrelated. No, no relation. Yeah. Okay, so my understanding of the cake is a lie is you're promised cake throughout the game and then you don't get the cake at the end. More or less, that's that's what's... I don't need, like, the full, but that's what it is, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, here's mine. The game, you're promised mimosas. And then at the end, you get mimosas. And you're like, what? And then Shelly's like, yeah, for, for Funky Fresh Fridays, it was meant to boost morale. <laughs> that's cute. I think Shelly has an assistant named Harold... And it seems like Harold doesn't really do much of anything because uh, just about every single time we hear from Shelly, uh, she is uh, telling Harold to take the day off or reassuring Harold that he doesn't need to do something, she'll take care of it. To the point where it is very clear that Harold doesn't actually do anything because Shelly keeps telling him not to do things. All right. And that is two fun facts apiece. And Amber, do you know what else is fun? What else is fun, Devin? Getting to know people. It's so fun. Oh, that is so fun. What a good point. Uh, do you have anything that you're leading into with that little fun fact? Yeah, your question. Wow, I do have a question. Great point. So we have to do a little bit of parasocial bonding where we get to know each other. Um, uh, here's my question for you, Devin, my question of the week. Um, do you have a go-to first date? A go-to first date? Mm. Yeah, or an no. early date of some kind. I do not. You don't? Okay, do you have no. any particularly memorable first dates that you have taken people on? No. <laughs> okay, bad question. Fuck me, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm more of a gesture guy. I don't... I'm not good at coming up with dates. I'm going to be honest. I will out myself as not a good date idea man. That's okay. That's uh, that's is that's still learning about you. I've still learned something about you. What about you, partner? I like to take people to. I have this um, independent local movie theater uh, with like an attached bar and restaurant. You can like order food and stuff, and they do like like programs and stuff. They have like weekly trivia and weekly bingo and weekly Smash Brothers and weekly D and D and all those things. And they, there's a whole bunch of you know, it's like weird independent movie theater with a mezzanine shit. Um, uh, it's a really, really cool space. Um, I love it very dearly, and I like to bring people there for one thing or another when I get the chance. And at, yeah, that's 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 been my go-to first date for like a couple years now. All right, you know, that's a good first date. Quality. Like it. Good stuff. Well, now that you've learned all about us, um, you can leave and leave wanting more, wanting more of us, thinking about what a great first date that would be and how much you would like to go on it with one or both of us, but you can't, listener. Um, 
because we are just voices in your headphones and we don't exist. Um, anyway, we'll see you next week when Devin tries to get us to talk about professional wrestling. But instead, um, we talk about part three of our three-part Dimension 20 trilogy. We'll get there. We'll finish it. Just like I'll eventually finish my goal of monetizing the friendship. That's how episodes are closed. Said it. Oh, it's his famous catchphrase. He said it. Woo, we love that. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Dance, monkey. Monkey, say thing. Say thing that make me laugh, edit monkey. Edit monkey. Edit in funny Uh sounds. Yes. Every time edit monkey is not on screen, we should ask, where is edit monkey? Edit me to sound good, edit monkey. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.